We want to thank you for being a part of our new series, Together. Throughout this series, we're going to take a look at the incredible bond, love, and devotion we can experience in our marriages and home, understanding the bliss God wants us to live in. So sit back and listen and allow God's Word to change your life. I'm really excited to be able to take this opportunity to spend some real quality time investing into those of you who are singles. Incidentally, I am recording this message again because during our actual session, when um, we sat down with the singles, the tape recorder, um, the message thing, whatever you call them these days, it didn't record. And I just really felt it was so invaluable to get this information to you that I just sat down this week and re-preached or retaught this message to you. Because Kelly and I got such a passion in our hearts just to really see people develop in what God has called them to be, whether it's married couples and we're dealing with them, but also with singles, we've just got such a hunger just to really be able to see them excel into the best that God has for them and not to waste these times and just to long for greater days, but to realize that they are great moments that that you live in, that you're a part of right now. So for the next few moments, we're going to look at what we're going to call single issues or really the single truth. The single truth, because what we say when we talk about single issues many times is that word issue kind of strikes with it like a problem and negative kind of connotation. But and it can be that issues when we are single can be exactly that if they're not handled and dealt with in a proper fashion. But we want to give you the tools and the training that you can handle these issues. Like, would anyone want to marry me? Um, Why would I want to be married again? I've been hurt in the past. I've gone through rejection. Just a lot of these issues. And I really believe that they can be detrimental to us if they don't or they're not handled in the right way. And that's why I want you to realize that you're in a great time of your life a time of less responsibilities, which I know is not always exactly the truth because some of you still do have single children or you're single parents, so you have children and that situation is where you find yourself. But you don't have to share your time with a spouse. You you can pretty much come and go as you please. Uh, And it's a better place than most of you tend to really realize as you prepare for the best. And that's what you've got to see. I want you to see something today that you are preparing for the best. But here's our problem so many times. We've told ourselves, if I can just get there, now, wherever that may be for you, for most of us, there involves if I can just get married, if I can just be in that relationship, if I can just be loved and I can have that special person to take care of my life. But you see, we make a big mistake so many times to plan our lives according to our future and not prepare for our future by planning and preparing right now, today. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, next week, and a lot through the series is preparing ourselves during the times when we think, well, God, I want to be married. I want to. But what about the preparation that God can do in your life? And that's why tonight I want to talk about really a couple of key points that I believe will really help you right where you're at, prepare for what God has and, and where he wants to take you in your lives. And we could ask that question, am I ready? Am I prepared for the next step? Am I prepared for the next avenue of my life? And most of us would love to say yes, but the reality is 
that's mainly just in words because we're not really there and we need to implement greater habits and do the greater things. And I want to give us a great foundation that I really believe that we can be prepared from that's going to be a winning formula to see us just really succeed in the future, to find a marriage, to find a spouse, to find a mate that can be everything that God intends for marriage to be. So the first thought we're going to talk about tonight is finding the right one. It's a good place to start, I think, finding the right one. And how do we go about that? Many times out of desperation, to be truthful. Many times it's out of total desperation or loneliness and emptiness. And you just look for anyone and everyone because you just want to find that right one. And we've told ourselves rightfully, and and we'll explain that, but we've told ourselves and we believe that in order to be fulfilled in life, we never really will be until we meet the one. And guess what? That is true but not many times in the way that we think it is. Because without that one, we're always going to be empty. We're always going to know that there is something more. There's just something important that you just can't seem to put your finger on and find. There's something inside of you that tends to cry out for a deeper acceptance, a shared intimacy, that unbreakable commitment. And somehow you know that to be complete and to feel whole, you have to meet that one. But here's the big question, isn't it? Who is that one? And man, we've done some stupid stuff in our pursuit. We've embarrassed ourselves. I know we could all tell story after story of times when we look back and said, man, I really did that. I really said that. And and unfortunately, too, we can look back and say we really lowered our standards and compromised our beliefs to such an extent because of that desperation, because of that longing, because of that yearning, because of that need. And I want to talk about finding that number one and just present some thoughts to you. So under finding that one, that's point number one. Here's point A under that. Order matters. We can look at certain things in our life and and we can say, well, that's not always true. Like, for example, how do you get dressed in the morning? Some of you maybe put your socks on before your trousers, trousers before your socks. Or obviously you put your socks on before your shoes. That's, That's got to be the right order there. But there's so many different things in life that we can look at and say, you know, it doesn't really matter how I do that because as long as the end result is accomplished and we get there. So in areas of our life, that's not always a true statement. But in an area which is the most important of our life, it really is truth. And that area can make all the difference in our lives. Listen to what it says in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. The Bible says, as Jesus came and asked Jesus, who was the greatest and what was the greatest commandment of the law? Here's what Jesus said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus reminds us of the priority that most of us forget. And that is this point number B. Jesus is the one. He's not one of many. He's one of one. 
In this scripture, we see that Jesus tells us, the Bible instructs us that loving Jesus is a practical principle for getting the most out of life. And it's only when he is in his rightful place that we can move beyond the, the, the what is it? We can move beyond the first and the greatest commandment and we can start successfully living out in the second priority. The first is to live for God, for him to be first. But then the second is to love someone else. Example like your future spouse look what it says in first john 4 verse 19 we love him because he first loved us we love him because he first loved us so therefore because of his love we are now capable to love love him first but then others after that and what did he say in matthew 22 verse 39 we've got to love our neighbor as ourselves which, come on, let's be honest, that can be a big problem. This can be a big problem to love someone else as we love ourselves when we struggle to love ourselves. And why do we struggle here? There are many reasons because we can carry the guilt. We can see our failures. We can see our mistakes. We can see our weaknesses. We wake up with ourselves every day. We know those tendencies. We know those flaws. We know those failures. So it's very easy many times for us to not be able to love ourselves and thus struggle in not only loving God, but then also being able to love other people. But remember, the key to it all is this, that we know love through love. And that's a key truth. We know love through love, which brings me to my next point, point C, under finding that right one. And that is this, you have to receive love before you can give it. And not just any love, the love of your number one, the love of Jesus And that comes through having a devotion to him, a a time of committed, devoting, being in a devoted, loving relationship with him, being totally committed, not just dating Jesus and, and just coming and going as you please, but saying every day, God, I want you to be the number one of my life. And no, you're not perfect, but aren't you glad that perfection is not a requirement to love him? But you are being perfected by his love. Did you hear that? Perfection is not a requirement to love God. He knows that you're not perfect. But as you love him, as you are engrossed in his love, committed to that love, he begins to perfect you by his love. Because you begin to see your value. You begin to understand your worth in him. And when you see that, you begin to see that begin to play out in your life. And as you see that play out in your life, guess what? You're able to accept that, embrace that, and you're able to give that. And the reality of all of our lives really is this. We should live for the audience of one. We should live for the audience of one. Because when we do that, we change in him. And when we change in him, all kinds of new horizons open up for us. And let me show you what I mean. Matthew 6 verse 33 says this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. I love that. All these things shall be added to you. But notice all these things come what? After we seek first God, living for him and his righteousness. So all those things come after. As we seek him first, then those things come. But remember this also, seeking him doesn't stop just when we become a Christian. 
because it continues on. In fact, the greatest seeking of our lives many times is after we come to Christ because it's then that we really hunger for more of him and we really look for him in our lives. So the important thought is and has to be we've got to find the right one. Order matters in that. He is the right one. And we've got to receive that love of him before we can give it. And then here's the second major point or the winning formula that we want to give you. And that is this. Finding your number two. What do I do in finding my number two? Again, for every Christian, don't want to labor on the point. But let me remind you that, again, your number one must be Jesus. And anything that pushes him out of first place will threaten your success and fulfillment in life. And you've got to hear that and you've got to believe that. You see, when he's in his right place, then you are ready to put that other person in their appropriate place. And that's second, no higher and no lower. And that's what I want to talk about again tonight. Does God really have that special person for you? It's a great question, isn't it? Does God really have that special person for me? Romantically, we want to say, yes, he's got that one individual. But I want you to think about that for a moment. Because if there is that one person and only one person on the face of this earth that is God's woman, God's man for your life, then think what can tend to happen if all of a sudden someone just chooses the wrong person. If someone chooses the wrong person, it's not only going to affect their relationship, it's obviously going to affect the next relationship, which is going to affect the next and on and on. And countless millions of people can be affected by just what? One wrong choice. So what I really believe is this. It's not that God doesn't have someone special for you because I believe he does. But it's not necessarily just one person in this whole world. But I really believe that God has candidates and there are many people that would perhaps fit your life and where you need to be. You just need to pick that right person for your life. But here's the problem with that. When we go after the one, when we just say, "What? Well, but I want that one. What is the tendency that we spend so much time and energies hunting down and seeking after that one that we fail to prepare ourselves for our number two? And that's what we're going to be talking a lot more about next week on Single Truth is we're going to be talking about celebrating your singleness and just habits that you need to implement into your life. So you need to be listening next week for that too. So what do we do in that situation? If we're going to find our two, we're going to find that special person, not that one individual in the face of this earth. And if we miss that opportunity or blow that, then there's no other opportunities. But the candidates that God has for us, how do we find that right person? How do we pick through the list, if you want to say it that way, and not grab and just grab a hold of anyone? Well, again, I want to give you some helpers and some points in that because there are thoughts on that. Some people say, well, I'm not going to date and just let God bring that one to me. And, and there's a lot of truth. And, and maybe that's something that you should consider in your life because really when you look at the dating scene, 
it does tend to set up people a lot more for divorce than it does a healthy, vibrant marriage relationship. And what I mean by that is you give your heart to that first love, your head over heels in love. You give yourself totally to them, but then you break up and you get hurt. So what do you do the next time? You're just a little bit resistant to give everything because you are hurt, you're wounded. So you've got calluses that are beginning to grow. And as you go through one person to the next, it's almost like you give less and less or there is less and less of you to give. So I would really strongly urge you in that dating experience and in that situation just to be really careful with that and not saying not to date, but being very specific, especially the older you are. Most of the group of the singles that I talked to last week, there was only one teenager. Most of the rest were in their mid-20s and up. So when you get to be that age, we've got to realize that we're not just dating just to fulfill our fantasies and desires or intrigue. But really at that age, we're dating to say, is this someone who is a viable candidate for marriage? And just to date someone, just to have someone by our side, it's not where we need to be. Because again, we open ourselves up to a lot of hurt. We open ourselves up to a lot of unnecessary um, wounds and just situations and circumstances. So, so we're looking for someone who is marriage material. We're looking for someone who has got what we think is, is what is needed to go to the next level. But in that, here's something I would say to you, never date a non-believer. Never date someone who is not saved. Under no circumstances should you ever, 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 ever do that. Let them have a relationship with God because of them and not because of you. Seen this many times that someone says, well, church is a priority to me. I want it to be a priority. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go to church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll serve God. Always been interested in that. Let them serve God. Let them have a relationship with God before they bend down on one knee and offer to put a ring upon your finger. It is so, so important. And if you disagree with me, then let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in Luke 11, verse 17, because incidentally, the Bible has all the answers if we'll just look at them. If we'll just look for them, the Bible has all the answers. Look what it says in Luke 11, verse 17. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against itself will fall. The same could be said of a marriage. A divided marriage is going to fall. A divided, anything divided is not going to stand. It's not going to make it. It's not going to succeed. So people then turn around, and I've been asked this many times, so do I have to marry a Christian? The answer clearly is no, you don't, unless you want to be happy and fulfilled and blessed in your life. But if that doesn't matter to you, then go ahead and marry anyone you want. But uh, as I've told so many people, it doesn't work long term. It may be fun right now. And you may say, well, it's working for me right now. But we're not in it just for the now. We're not just in it for today. We're in it for tomorrow. We're in it for the long haul. We want to see a happier ever after. We want a marriage that's going to go the distance. We want to be together. We want to see God bless our union. Uh, and again, some people can look, and I've had people say to this, Pastor, that is so narrow-minded. That, that's so old-fashioned. And my reply to them is, it sure is. And, and I love that because look what it says in Matthew seven thirteen and 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate 
and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. Where does the narrow way take you? It takes you to life. Where does the other, the broad way take you? It takes you to damnation, destruction, death, loss. So you can argue and say, well, I like a broad way and I like options and I like to do things my way. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to man. Proverbs fourteen twelve, I believe it isn't. But the end thereof is death. There's only one way that's going to produce life and it's God's way. And it may be old fashioned. It may be something that no one else is really choosing to do, but it's still the best way. Because it's God's way. And God's way is always the best. Look what it also says in Second Corinthians 6, verse 14 and 15. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Wow, you can't get it much more black and white than that. For what fellowship has righteousness? What fellowship has right living, the right standards, the right life, a godly life? What fellowship has that with lawlessness, the Bible says? And what communion or what in union, what common union has light with darkness? Light and the darkness, cannot, they cannot live together because as soon as light comes, darkness has to flee. They can't, there's no common ground for them. And it goes on in verse 15 to says, And what accord has Christ with Belial? Belial is another name for Satan in the Hebrew, which means worthlessness. So we're seeing what, what does Christ, who is worth everything, what does he have in accord or union with worthlessness? It's two absolute extremes. And it goes on to say, And therefore, what part have you, a believer, with an unbeliever? Can you see the picture that is painted here? It's not because we're better than. It's not because we're greater than. It's because, though, God has put his hand upon our lives and he wants the best for our lives. And we would be a fool not to choose this. But, you know, as I look at that scripture, too, I also believe that that scripture can also ring true to the fact of not only a believer, but the type of Christian, the type of churchgoer that you want to be a part of in your life too. I, I believe that can be a part of believers too. My grandfather used to always tell us this, and I've never forgot this, and I've relayed this to so many people. He said, when you look to find a spouse, when you look to find someone who you want to marry, find someone who loves Jesus more than you. And I think that's so true. So we tend to look from the back of the church, from those who maybe tend to be more the rebels, slip in late, leave early, just different things like that. But I want to be picking someone from the front. I want to be picking someone who's got their hands up, who's lost in worship, that has tears rolling down their face, that's not ashamed. I want to be a part of a believer that is totally committed and devoted to God, not just someone who's just in it for themselves in the fact of just trying to ease their conscience and their guilt and just maybe parents or others around just to make them look good, but to be someone who wants to be good, that wants a heart that is changed for God. So I believe that scripture is not just for the unsaved, but also in church life, just guarding your heart to be compatible and, and to be there with someone who's on the same level or even a greater level than you, that's going to challenge you in your walk, that's going to take, that you're not constantly having like an old pump to prime and to plead with and beg to be in church, but they're the ones that's leading you into church. That's what you need to look for. And then another thing that I think you need to watch as you're looking through the dating situation and finding that number two, I think you need to watch for friendships. What do I mean by friendships? Because I know the common thought is that you should marry your best friend. And that's true 
if that's the one that God has for you. Kelly and I are best friends. She wasn't my best friend all my life. We grew into a friendship. And as a result of that friendship, we fell in love and we got married. But, you know, I'm also conscious of this. Don't try to take relationships to places they don't belong. I remember growing up, there was a young girl that I knew. It was a great young girl, brought up with her in church, and she was awesome. In fact, there was many that I was brought up with that were just awesome. And, and I would find myself back then just almost forcing a relationship, trying because this is a good girl. She's good looking. She's got great prospects. She's got a great family. And you try and force something to happen. But no matter how you try to force it, if it's not there and it wasn't there, and I'm glad that I didn't try to make something happen that wasn't, But we can be guilty of that sometimes. We can even convince ourselves this is as good as it's going to be for me because of what I've gone through. That's a lie of the enemy. And remember, when the enemy's lying, if his mouth is moving, if his lips are moving, then he's lying. So don't have a conversation with him. You've got to resist him in your faith. Let God handle all of that with him. You just handle your relationship with God. But remember, don't try and take relationships. Well, they're my best friends, so they would be great to be married. Maybe, but maybe not. And also with friendships too, it can be sometimes more one-sided than the other. They may have feelings for you, but if you don't have feelings for them, don't say, well, maybe I'll grow into those feelings. If those feelings are not there, then be honest with that. Be honest with them. Sit down with them and say to them, you know what? I know that you may want more out of this relationship, but I'm just telling you from the get-go, that's not my intent. That's not what I want out of this relationship. That's not my feelings. And I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want you to think I'm leading you on. I don't want you to think that I'm taking you somewhere where all of a sudden your hopes are going to be dashed and and brokenhearted and you're going to say, man, you're a jerk. What did you do? I want you to know right from now that what my intentions are, I want your friendship, but it's not a marriage relationship. So be very honest with that because, yes, friendships is so important in marriage, but you're not always going to marry your best friend. There are people in your life who are going to be friends that, have no business to be your spouse and you can look back and say wow thank god that they're not here's another thought okay when you're looking for your number two don't get in a rush don't rush it don't force it don't allow desperation to be that which motivates you a lot of people say well i'm lonely you know one of the greatest lonelinesses that you can have in your life is to be living in the same house as someone but having nothing in common with that person living a separate life talk about loneliness then because you should be happy and you've built yourself for that happiness but there's emptiness and loneliness so don't allow your desperation to make the decisions for you because if you're going to get on the train of desperation you know where it's going to take you desperationville if you get on the train of loneliness you know where it's going to take you to lonelyville if you get on the train of depression, you know where you're going to get to? Depressionville. And that's how it is. So don't rush it. Don't force it. Oh, but Pastor Philip, I'm not getting any younger. And, and, and uh, my kids, are. Gr- I want someone to take care of me. Well, that's great. Prepare your life for that person. Don't rush it. Don't force it. Trust God. Seek God. Search out for God. Here's another one. Don't sell out. How many times have we been guilty for that? And when I think about selling out too, I also think about don't settle. Don't settle and say, well, I guess this is as good as it's going to be. Give more, you know, because here's the deal about God. God wants to give us more than we could even imagine in our wildest dreams. 
And, and that's what we've got to realize in our lives. So, so just think about that. When we look to find our number one, and that's what we've talked about tonight, we've got to realize order does matter. He has to be what? Number one, because Jesus is our number one. He's the one. But then we've got to receive his love before we can give it. We've got to begin to learn love before we can live love and be a part of it. And some of us weren't grown up or weren't brought up in a loving environment. So we don't have that advantage. But through church, through relationships in church, godly people, we can learn through a relationship with God. We can learn how to be loved and to give love to other people. And then the second part of what we talked about in finding that number two. Remember, it has to be your number two. God has to be your number one. And remember, never date a non-believer. Watch out for those friendships. Don't try and take them places where they've got no business to go. Don't get in a rush. Don't get in a hurry. Don't jump ahead of God. Just trust him. He's got the best prepared for you. Just allow him to work in your heart. And don't get desperate. Don't sell out. Don't settle and say, well, I guess this is the best. There are so many marriages and relationships today that are miserable because they settled because they convinced themselves that they didn't deserve any better. I'm telling you right now, you deserve the best. It doesn't matter your track record, because in God there is no past. There's only a present and a future. You deserve the best. And here's how you deserve or how you get the best. Are you ready? Here's how you get the best, by being the best. How do you be the best? By putting him first in your life and letting him take care of your life. So I just want to encourage you, all you singles, out there. It's the single truth. We're talking to your heart. We want to invest in you. We want to love you. Don't look at these days and just wish them away and say, wow, my life is going to be complete when I get there. Your greatest moments perhaps of your life are going to be right now because life is a journey. And it's time that we enjoy the ride. Don't get to certain places in your life and look back with regret and say, man, if only I'd embraced that more, if only I'd have used that more or loved that more. Seize every moment of opportunity because each one of these moments are producing in you and they're moving you and taking you to that place where you can be that viable spouse material, where you can be that person ready for marriage to be everything that God wants you to be. So let me pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one who's listening today. God, I pray for those that perhaps are carrying deep wounds and hurts because of rejection through divorce and and affairs and just all these things that they've maybe been subject to, maybe even sexual or, or physical abuse. And it's just deep, deep wounds that were left in our lives. And sometimes wounds that can say, well, well I'm never going to go that pathway again. But God, I pray that, God, you would just so reveal to us in our hearts such a healing that we would realize that, God, you still have the best for us. And God, if that is for us to be single, then, God, we submit to that and we say, God, not our will, but yours. But God, if it's also for you to bring someone into our life, God, we're open to that. And God, we ask that you would heal us to be ready for that. But God, whatever and wherever we may find ourselves, God, we're not in a relationship right now. And God, here's what we pray, that we would be in a relationship with you, that we would allow you to prepare us, that the Lord, the key thought for our lives would not be, oh, I can't wait till that person comes but God, that we'd be actively involved in preparing our lives for that moment so when that person comes, we're ready. Because God, if we're not ready, then how can we be the answer to someone else's prayer? 
God, we pray for you to send someone to us. But God, we now need to be prepared and ready so we too can be the answer to someone else's prayer. So help us, God. Lead us and instruct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Come on, enjoy the life. Enjoy where God has you. Because I'm telling you, until you can embrace that many times, you can't move to the next level. And God's got many more levels in our lives for us to go. But we've got to start appreciating. We've got to pass the tests where we're at right now so he can take us on to the future. Have a great night. God bless. Bye. We would like to thank you for listening to our message on Together. We pray that what you have just heard will change your life and bring new freedom to your marriage and home. If you need any more information or just someone to listen, we are always here for you. Call us at area code 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. Have a blessed day. And remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.